the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, folks, our next guest is John Barry, who uh, joins us from the state of Washington, CEO of Jesus Economy, an innovative nonprofit. And uh, we're going to talk about his book, Jesus Economy. First of all, John, welcome. Uh, So nice of you to join me. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor. A biblical view of poverty, the currency of love, and a pattern for lasting change. John, what does all that mean? Well, when we look at the issues facing our world, the difficulties that people are facing who are in poverty or those who haven't heard the name of Jesus yet, when we think about those issues, I think we need to be thinking about larger solutions. And I believe that those solutions come right from Jesus' teachings. So a lot of what what I'm about is actually getting into the text and then saying, okay, well, what from this can we derive from what the early church and Jesus were doing? that we can then combine with modern theory of economic development and other elements and actually come to a lasting solution that can lift people out of poverty long-term. John, your book breaks down into four distinct parts. Part one, the problem of poverty, how our world works, and envisioning a better reality. Uh, I want you to teach us all about that. So extreme poverty, while we have made massive strides in actually ending extreme poverty, like there are more people coming out of poverty today than we've seen, you know, in the last 50 years or more. While we have made incredible uh, moves forward, there are still thousands, millions of people around the world who can't get clean water or can't get access to medical care or, you know, can't provide for their family daily or who don't have job opportunities. So really the problems of poverty really come down to the fact that there, there are so many people in the world who have so much who aren't helping and empowering those who don't have it. And then the other reality is that our world is more interconnected than it's ever been before. So with the Internet and with the change in our world that came through that, we can actually very successfully reach those people now, and we can very successfully bring them solutions that are long-term and work alongside them to change the fabric of their societies, and really, in effect, in the process, change our world. And that moves us to part two, God's view of the impoverished, what the Bible says about poverty, and what that really means. I think that we, when we approach poverty from a kind of a biblical perspective, we often forget to contextualize it, right, to really understand what Jesus was saying in his context. And then from once we do that, we can then make that stride to where we are today and try to say, okay, how does this apply today? How do we use these teachings? 
And at the core of Jesus' teachings in the early church is really this idea of a relationship, of really everything I do comes out of knowing people, being in relationship with them, walking alongside them to truly love them, and to do that self-sacrificially, to be willing to give of my excess for the sake of other people. And then alongside that comes this beautiful vision of people like Paul in the early church who are also businessmen and businesswomen who are going out and using their business skills to help the world too and to also invest profit they're making to help the efforts of the church and those who are poor. And right at the core of the New Testament teachings, those things are interrelated with the church is doing and the issues of helping the impoverished. Now, in part three, uh, we learn about the myths of poverty, what followers of Jesus should say in response, and really understanding poverty. So uh, fill us in on all of that, please, John. I think there are a host of myths out there about why people are poor, and for people who are impoverished, you know, what, what it is that has brought that on. At the core of why people are impoverished is the fact that we have created a world where there are haves and have-nots, and a world where the goal is my own gain instead of the gain of an entire community and the growth of an entire community. And if we suddenly shift our thinking and start to say, people are actually impoverished because of choices that I make, like that was the biggest one for me, man, when I realized like, wow, I'm making choices where I'm using my resources in ways that aren't helping other people, but instead are just for my own benefit. If we can suddenly change that, then we can actually combat poverty at its core. And then on top of that is that need again for a lasting solution for actual empowerment through their own economy. And the other side of that is the need for the spiritual issues to be addressed. And that's the other myth that often comes up. People forget that poverty is also a spiritual issue. It's because of the kind of people we are, that poverty exists, that we have done things to our world and to other people by our choices. And also people in their own choices have often, you know, brought up, brought upon themselves certain things too, that we have to combat with, with spiritual solutions, with Jesus' uh, view of love. Now in part four, we learned about some very practical ideas for overcoming poverty, how you can truly love people and why it won't be easy. Lots of uh, discussion points here, John. Yeah, so throughout part four of Jesus' economy, I spend um, basically the time to walk through the very specific kinds of questions I get all the time, right? So, okay, if a homeless person walks up to me on the street and asks me for money, then what should I do? And one of the solutions that I articulate for that is that the answer is not to give them money because you could be buying them their last drink. You have no idea what the situation is. The answer instead is to engage in a conversation, get to know that person as a real human being who you can really love, and to know about the solutions in your community that you can guide them toward or give them that little step to get to those solutions and actually engage deeply with who they really are. And likewise, in all of our solutions, uh, all the solutions that we need to have in the world as far as alleviating extreme poverty in the developing world or addressing, um, you know, somebody coming to my church who has a need, all of those things have to have planning and, and you know, thought and, and energy, and that's not easy. And also engaging in the relationship is harder, but that's where we find real solution. We find real solution in loving people self-sacrificially 
and doing that in a way that's, that's honest and real and will actually empower them. John, how are spiritual and physical poverty connected? Is there a difference between the two? Uh, yes, I, spiritual and physical poverty, um, I think this is one of the other issues that often doesn't get brought up. That When I talk about spiritual poverty, I'm thinking about the distance we have between us and God. When sin came into the world and when each of us have made choices to do wrong against God and other people along the way, we've created distance between God's ways of how the world should work and how he intends it to work. And so we, we have really, uh, in the process, made it so that we are spiritually far from God, and that's being spiritually poor. And likewise, physical poverty, um, we often think of as only a physical issue. But corruption destroys societies, right? And so how do, we, how do we combat that? I think we combat that with healthy churches, churches that are honest and healthy and actually doing something to change the fabric of their community and centering, centering the work that we're doing in the church. For the church to be the center, central point for all of God's gospel is love of the poor, is love of people coming to salvation, to be all happening through that vehicle— so really, it's bringing together job creation, meeting basic needs, and church initiatives, church planting or church growth initiatives or church revitalization initiatives all together into one thing. And that's how we renew an economy. And that's the kind of economy I think Jesus has in mind. John, this may be a very, very naive question. Why does poverty continue? I think poverty continues because we each in the world make choices every day that aren't toward the betterment of humanity, but are toward the betterment of my own personal life. And here's the hitch. Those things that we think are bettering our own personal lives often aren't. What's really going on is that we're just simply satisfying an immediate need in our own life or immediate feeling rather than actually the long-term issues that our world is facing. And so I think poverty continues because at its core, we have neglected the fact that it is something that Jesus wants to do something about and that we need the gospel to change it because we need people to be changed internally. Because if we can't change hearts and minds, we can't change this problem because this problem exists because of the choices that we have made. And I believe that Jesus wants us as Christians to be people who are first and foremost recognized by our self-sacrificial love for other people. John Barry is our guest. Uh, His book is called Jesus Economy, and he is the CEO of Jesus Economy, an innovative nonprofit. Uh, Tell me about that nonprofit of yours, John. What's what's that about? Jesus Economy, the nonprofit, creates jobs and churches in the developing world. So our goal is to come alongside local community leaders and to empower them to do economic initiatives that actually create jobs in their communities so that their communities can rise out of poverty, to empower them to meet the basic needs that they're facing, such as clean water or medical care or other issues, and then to also empower a movement of Christian leaders in that community through the church. And we work primarily in areas where people have never heard the name of Jesus. So in Northeast India, where we're focused right now, There's 100 million people who have never heard Jesus' name, 100 million. And we are actively sponsoring indigenous church planters, local church planters, 
to go out and change that. And that's bringing people the freedom of Christ. And it's beautiful. And then we connect all of that through our online platform where we actually sell products from the developing world to fund everything that's going on and create more jobs. Isn't India extremely dangerous to Christians? Yeah, so India is on the top 10 list now of the most dangerous places for Christians. And um, specifically, that's because of the issues in the north and especially the northeast where we're focused. So every day, yeah, the church planters that we're supporting are facing persecution, and they're facing the people who come to Christ are facing persecution. And that's because local religion um, doesn't, doesn't appreciate what Christianity is about. And the reason why is because Christianity is about empowering the poor in the way that we're doing it, at least. And when you do that, you overturn the social structure. And when you overturn a social structure, suddenly the rich can't stay rich because they did it off the backs of the poor. And that, that is something that you know, people don't want to hear when they are on the upper end of the social structure. John, I want you to explain the idea that Jesus' currency is love, and Jesus is the key to overcoming poverty. And more importantly, how has that idea changed your life? So uh, in 2012, uh, I was working in Christian publishing. My wife and I felt the call to start this nonprofit, Jesus Economy, to create jobs in churches for the poor and those who haven't heard Jesus' name. And really that came out of this belief and prayerful and discernment process and research process, really, about the issues in the world. Um, And and through that, God really revealed to us this core idea that instead of the currencies of our world of, you know, power and money and fame and these other things, the currency that Jesus has at its core is love. And he demonstrates that first and foremost in his self-sacrificial death on the cross. And out of that comes another idea that if Jesus has an economy in mind, that economy is based on self-sacrifice. That economy is all about how I can live that currency of love in my everyday life. And that ultimately led us to sell our house and most of what we own to go full-time into doing this work um, because we believed that that's what the next step was you know, needed for, for it. And for and furthermore, we knew that the work in our own hearts had to had to be done in that. So I really believe that without the gospel, without the truth that Jesus saves, and He wants to save our whole lives, the lives we're living right now from poverty and the impoverished life we have in distance from God. Without that, we cannot end poverty because that's the thing that will actually be lasting, that will change how people live every day. And will result in when they get out of poverty, being people who are also self-sacrificial to lift more people out of poverty and for the types of businesses they create to be about lifting people out of poverty and for the types of churches that they're, that they're in to be about caring for those who are marginalized and outcast. And that is Jesus's message. John Barry is our guest, his book, Jesus Economy. We've got another segment with John, so stay with us right here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More with author John Barry right after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word.
Each Sunday morning at 11.30, Kevin Jordan of Let the Chaplain Speak brings words of comfort to the inmates and the lost. He also provides an insight into the lives of inmates that are incarcerated in jails around Central Florida. Each year, many of these men turn their lives over to Christ. Our Orange County jails house as many as 5,000, and only a handful of chaplains serve these lost souls. See how you can help. Let the Chaplain Speak with Kevin Jordan airs each Sunday morning at 11.30 on 94.9 FN and AM 950 The Word. Hello, this is Earl Mallory, Director of Sales and Marketing for Alliance Community. Alliance Community is a Christ-centered continuing care retirement community located in the heart of beautiful downtown DeLand. Our mission is to provide an environment for our residents which allows them to live as independently as they like with guarantees to protect them of the uncertainties surrounding future health care and financial needs. Our community offers independent living, assisted living, rehab services, skilled nursing care, and Alzheimer's dementia care. For more information, visit us online at alliancecommunity.org. It's amazing, but true. When it comes to one of America's biggest household expenditures, health care, a lot of people think they've got no choice. People are used to thinking we have to do it this way, but they don't. Yes, you have the freedom to choose an alternative with your health care. It's MediShare, and it costs way less than the alternatives. The typical family saves $500 a month, not a year. A month. And if you're single, this can save you a lot too. And let's face it, a big reason MediShare is 400,000 people strong, it just works. They've shared over $3 billion in medical bills, so they can help share your needs too. Joining MediShare for so many people is one of those things that makes you say, why didn't I do this before? So yes, the time has come for something better. Look into joining MediShare and see why so many people are opting out of the old way and into the new. Why not look into this? Just call 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-B-I-B-L-E. 844-41-BIBLE. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. John Barry is the author of Jesus Economy. He's with us from way out in the state of Washington. John, maybe this is the question I should have asked at the very beginning of our chat. Uh, what does the word economy mean? What Explain that. What's that about? So I use the word economy a little different than I think other people do. That when I think of economy, I'm thinking of every last resource, every last um, movement within our lives. And so really at the core, I'm not just talking about, you know, GDP, like gross domestic product. I'm not talking about a you know, nation's economy or states or counties, I'm really talking about the way that we live, of actually thinking about our entire lives, our time, our, our resources, um, as being something that God can use. And so when I talk about a Jesus economy, I'm really talking about how do we reclaim everything in our lives for the way that Jesus would do it, for the way that Jesus would live. Now, uh, here's a important uh, question, I think, and, and it's simply this. You say, John, that giving is a three-way street between us, others, and God. Uh, can you expand on that? What's all that mean? So I think when we give, often we think it means that, you know, suddenly I don't have, and now somebody else has, right? We're kind of thinking of it in a profit-loss sort of scenario, but the moment I said that, what should come to mind is like, wait, is, is that how God would think about it? And I think the answer is no, because God, right, says in the Psalms, like, I own cattle on a thousand hills. 
Like God owns all of creation. So when we give, what are we really doing? We're not really giving anything to belong to us at all. We're really giving a resource that we've temporarily held that has come into, you know, into our lives that God originally created, right? God created all that we see. So we're in that way, we're giving back to God what's already his and saying, I don't own this, you do. And then we start suddenly start to see, okay, well, no longer are my resources about just simply, I give this thing to this other person, but I'm actually instead watching its movement through the economy of my life and the economy of our community and the economy of the world to actually transform communities. And I think about the investments I could make, and I'm like, man, that sounds so much better than a 401k, <laughs> right? Like the idea that I could actually uh, change communities with my resources, like that's something I can get excited about, right? Like, yeah, sure, maybe I could have a little more money in my retirement if I put it over here, but isn't it much better for my retirement, for my long-term life to represent the change in our world? Uh, like that's the kind of thing where suddenly I'm moving over that extra 5 or 10% because I get to see the movement of it, right? And it gets me excited about how I can live. And that's the three-way street that I get to experience, God, others, myself, all of us being blessed in the process. John, what advice do you give to listeners uh, who want to give to someone who wants to help the homeless in their community but doesn't know where to begin? What, what, do, you, what do you tell them? If you want to help the homeless in your community, I think the first solution is to look to what people are already doing in your community. Mm-hmm. Um, partnership is so often something that we miss as Christians. And again, this kind of comes from our cultural framework, right? We want to be the people who create stuff. We want to be the ones who, you know, who, who have the special program that's better than somebody else's. But the reality is, is that we need partnership at its core. And the church needs to be partnered with those who are already helping alleviate poverty in their communities. So the easiest solution, the best place to look, of course, is a rescue mission is what they're traditionally called. And they, they you know, are now known as often homeless missions or, you know, or homeless shelters, but especially if they're Christian and finding out what they're doing and how you can come alongside them and then becoming a resource to guide those you meet who are impoverished to that. Or maybe you have a local opportunity council where, you know, maybe they're not homeless, but they need, you know, job help or shelter help or, you know, uh, whatever else, food. And, and that's a great resource, too, that sort of place that navigates other people to other resources, too. And uh, I think the other thing that we need to talk about, and that is how can Christian communities in impoverished places make changes that lead them away from poverty permanently? Any thoughts? Yeah, I think that if you're a Christian community in an impoverished situation, in an impoverished place, the one of the core things is getting the local business leaders around you involved in the effort of alleviating poverty. So when you see a need, it, yes, like there are some needs we have to just straight up meet. Like if somebody doesn't have food today, like that has to be met, right? If somebody doesn't have water today, that's a need that has to be met. But my real goal is to not just put the bread on their table, but to help them put the bread on their own table. And so I think that local business leaders can help do that. I think also small microfinance programs where you can help train people in business and then send them out as entrepreneurs with a small little bit of cash that they need to get going. Those kinds of things are great solutions. And, of course, financial literacy is a great solution. Often the issues are because people are misusing the resources they have. They don't realize how much they really have because they don't, they've never learned how to manage money well. 
and that's that's a core place to look at too as a as a church community. John, <clears throat> here's a book I would love to read. Interviews with people who are really struggling in this area. How did they get into that position? What were the mistakes made? What was their early life like? What do they hope to do with their life? You know, I don't know that we've ever really heard from those people who are struggling. What do, what do you think? Well, I certainly tell some of those stories, actually, in Jesus Economy, the book. A lot of it is about kind of the stories of the people who I've met who are impoverished. Mm-hmm. Um, in the issue like extreme poverty, where you're dealing with people who are living on less than $1.25 a day, I think that their stories, what you often discover is that there's societal level issues. And again, this is where the church is so central to changing things. There's societal level issues that are keeping them poor and that are actually oppressing them. And I think we often forget that poverty is an oppressive force. So poverty is evil, right? Like as, as a thing, we have to be changing poverty because it's oppressing people. And I think that when you hear their stories, you often hear that come out. When you hear people more like in the U.S. context, their stories will often surprise you that, you know, we think of it just as the typical like, oh, I've, you know, I've got addicted to drugs. I end up on the street or alcohol or whatever else. But by and large, I mean, probably at least two out of 10 people I met in my time working with the homeless, um, at least two out of 10 and often far more than that, were people who, who really terrible things happened to them in life. And, you know, they lost family members or other things that they couldn't recover emotionally. And so, really, I think that their stories will tell us that. And, yes, I agree, like, telling these people's stories is so important. And it's something that we need to be hearing and listening to and caring about because, because their stories will help us realize they're real people who, whose issues are maybe more complex, but also just the love of Tell me this, John. How does your ministry, Jesus Economy, help people living in poverty? How, how do you uh, go about this? Yeah, so Jesus Economy, it does, it's ultimately about actually changing the fabrics of society. You know, what we're trying to do as an organization, the concept that I'm trying to get, help people live with the book, Jesus Economy, is to really be about lasting solutions in Jesus's view. And that means we have to create jobs, we have to meet basic needs, and we have to plant churches or, or revitalize church movements. And we also have to be about buying choices that empower the impoverished. And that's what uh, org is really about with uh, fair trade opportunities, opportunities to engage with those church planters around the world, opportunities to meet basic needs, and opportunities to create jobs. And we're trying to create a direct connection where 100% of, of every dollar goes into that work to actually help alleviate these solutions long-term. And my hope is that every person will be living those ideals every day of Jesus' self-sacrificial love, being in relationship with the marginalized to help change our societies and our world so that we really could see that ideal of Jesus' economy that's based on self-sacrifice and his currency of love. John Barry, John, thanks so much. Good to visit with you. All the very best in your work, and congratulations on your book. Thank you. It was an honor to join you. We uh, will have a wrap-up, folks, right after this. Uh, This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, We gather like this every weekend right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. 
Stay with us for our wrap-up. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. I remember feeling so desperate and so trapped. I was surrounded by family and friends that loved me. Any one of them would have listened to me, but I was so afraid of opening up to them, too embarrassed to talk about what was causing me so much pain. It felt like torture to be so close to people that would have loved to help me and yet too embarrassed to ask for help. And then a few weeks ago, I heard about faithful counseling here on the radio. Christian counselors, fellow believers, trusted therapists who not only share my faith, but could actually help me. They want to give you a free week so you can try them out. You can begin a conversation by text or phone, even video conferencing in the privacy of your own home. Why not give it a try? If it's not for you, cancel during your first week and you won't pay a dime. Go to tryfaithfulcounseling.com. It's time to talk to someone who can help. Go now to tryfaithfulcounseling.com. It's so easy to get started, and your first week is free. Go to tryfaithfulcounseling.com. Hi, this is Jonathan Cain of Journey, and I'm going to be leading praise and worship and ministering with my wife, Paula. Have you ever gone to a church service coming out with questions and feeling unfulfilled? Well, we guarantee you on March 24th, Sunday, at 6 p.m., you will be rocked. It's going to be an anointed move of God. And we can't wait to have you invite your friends, invite your family. That's 6 p.m. on March 24th at 505 East McCormick Road, New Destiny Christian Center. Hi, welcome to PostNet. How can we help you? Okay, well, I need 2,000 business cards, 5,000 pamphlets, and 35 table signs with a fold. And I need them shipped to Miami by tomorrow. Can you help me? Of course we can. At PostNet, we offer shipping via FedEx, UPS, the U.S. Postal Service, and DHL. And we support small businesses with printing, direct mail, designing custom logos, brochures, and more. We do it all here at PostNet. That sounds great. Let's do this. PostNet, Altamont Springs at Montgomery and State Road 434. Online at PostNet.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. John Barry, our guest in that first segment, enjoyed talking to John. Uh, Scott Kadersha is with us from Dallas, director of marriage ministry at Watermark Community Church. And his new book is out with Baker Books, Ready or Not, K-N-O-T. 12 Conversations Every Couple Needs to Have Before Marriage. Scott, thanks for joining me. So nice to visit with you. Thank you, Pat. Great to be here. What does a director of marriage ministry do at a church? <laughs> it's a dream job. I know everyone dreams of having it when they grow up. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I get to work with couples all over the relational spectrum. So pre-married, newly married, enrichment, crisis, a little bit of everything and get to work with a great team and, and leaders to help couples have just have a right view of marriage. Tell me about your new book. Why was it important to write it? Yeah, so I've worked in this space for about 12, 13 years now, and there are a lot of great marriage books out there for couples who are already married, but I didn't find, I couldn't find a lot of good books for couples preparing to get married. And, and we have a, we've just seen a huge hunger for couples who want to prepare well for marriage. They're scared of it. They've never seen it modeled really well. And so, you know, years ago, dreamed about writing a book. And then finally, a few years ago, I said, it's probably time to put something together. And I wanted something that was biblical, Christ-centered, authentic, practical, 
And so put together a guide that we think will help couples prepare well for marriage, help them start it well. Really, any couple would benefit from it, but just getting a right view of what marriage is and how to prepare well. Well, Scott, let's dive in with the 12 points. Point number one, what is the point of marriage anyway? Why you complete me is a big fat lie. <laughs> so that, you know, of course, the, the subtitle comes from the Jerry Maguire and just this idea that we're not complete unless we're married. And it just basically sets the table for uh, the fact that there are a lot of myths and wrong thinking about marriage out there. You know, if you look at culture, there's confusion about what it is. Most couples haven't seen it modeled well at home or in media, television, anything around us. And so I want I wanted couples to really get the right idea of what marriage is, of what a gift it is, how challenging it is, and then what happens when your spouse, your significant other, lets you down because it's inevitable that we're going to disappoint one another. And so what do you do when you fall short or your spouse falls short and having the right view of marriage going into it to know that it really is a seductuous part commitment in the way that, that it was designed by God. And so I want couples to have a really right view of it from the beginning to set them up for success. Topic number two, are we looking to win or seeking to understand the most important skill you need in your relationship? Yeah, so very much like the like I said about marriage, couples don't know how to communicate. They've never seen it modeled really well. And so in this chapter, you know, first of all, just reframing what the point of communication is. It's not to win. It's not to make sure I get my point across. But the, the point and, and what I think couples would really benefit if they understood that the, the purpose of communication in marriage is mutual understanding, or that, that's the goal of it, is that we would understand one another. And if we don't get to that place, if we just try to win every argument we're in or win every conversation, we're really losing in, in our marriage or our dating relationship. And so just helping couples, you know, one, reframe the way they see communication. Two, just getting super practical on, on what it looks like to listen well, to, um, you know, to not be a fool when it comes to communication, but seeking to be wise to, to creating a safe place to communicate. And then seeing conflict in a, in a different light as well. So often we run away from it or ignore it or think conflict or arguments are to be, and when I say conflict, I don't mean fist fights or abuse in any way whatsoever. I mean just disagreements that are common in every relationship. And so how do you handle disagreements with your spouse? And if you see those in the right light, it, it's a game changer for your relationship. Topic number three, we're... Uh chatting today with Scott Kadersha, the book Ready or Not. Um, number three, how much does our faith really matter building your marriage on the right foundation? Yeah, this is this is the most important chapter in the book in, in many ways because our faith impacts everything in our lives. It affects the way that we view really all the other topics in the book. It affects the way we communicate, the way we resolve conflict the way we handle money and sex and family and kids and friendships. And so this one is, is really helping couples be aligned in their views on faith. And then if you're not aligned, you, you need to you should not move forward together in marriage. The, the Bible doesn't tell us who we should marry. It does say who we should not marry. And so a follower of Jesus should not marry uh, somebody who's not a follower of Christ. And then how our views form the foundation for every decision we make in our life. And so often, unfortunately, these are the, 
the last conversations couples have when they're dating or engaged, and it, this should be foundational to everything in our relationship. And so helping couples be aligned on the most important questions in life. Now, I want you to talk about what if you say tomato and I say tomato, <laughs> learning to live with each other in an understanding way. Yeah, this is, this is a fun one to write. You know, I think about my wife and I. We're so different from one another. She's uh, physically we're different. Right? She's taller, much better looking. She's actually older than me. She comes from a very different family than I do. She comes from a military family with one daughter. I come from a blended family with a brother and two stepsisters and a stepbrother. And I grew up in a different part of the country than she did. And every other couple has their list uh, of differences. I even think of, you know, my twins. We have twin boys who were born in 2004. Uh, one of them is named after my favorite basketball player, Tim Duncan. So his name is Duncan. He's got a twin brother named Drew. And they were made by the same parents, conceived in the same moment. They were born one minute apart, come from the same families, but are still radically different from one another. And so two boys from the same family are, are you know, born at the same moment, one minute apart or different. Think about how different every man and woman are going to be going to marriage. So how do you handle those things that are different from one another that, that will either push us apart or actually can be something that draw us closer together. And so just a fun chapter, helping couples think through appreciating those differences instead of resenting them or, or allowing them to drive a stake between the relationship. Now, uh, Scott, uh, talk to us about will we clip coupons or max out credit cards, a biblical view of money and financial stewardship? Yeah, there's, so this obviously could be an entire book. Every one of these chapters could be a, a book on its own. But this one just, you know, I think the foundational question I want to help couples understand is when you view your resources that, that God has uh, entrusted to you, is it the husband's, is it the wife's, is it theirs together as a couple, or do we view them as resources that God has entrusted to us to steward? And so if we have the, the, what I believe is the, the right view of, of money, which is a biblical stewardship mentality, and essentially says God has entrusted us with resources that we're to steward for his purposes and uh, to his glory. And so that, that affects and changes the way that we spend, the way that we save, we give. It affects our, our view of debt. It affects what we drive, where we live. And so, you know, obviously money money always shows up on the list of problems that couples have if they are to get divorced. It's usually an inability to resolve conflict, and then money always show up, you know, in the top three. And so if you're not aligned on this, when, not if, but when you disagree about money, you've got to find some common language and be coming from a common place so that you can have really hard conversations about decisions you make and how money affects our lives. Now, uh, I want you to talk about who's in charge and what are our biblical roles? The part of marriage TV shows never get right. Yeah, this is probably, probably take a non-controversial topic here, but what's the view of a role of a husband, the role of a wife? And the reason why I say the, the part of uh, marriage that TV shows never get right, it's partly because they, they often do depict what real life looks like, but it's not the way it's intended to be. And so most TV shows show, you know, very dominant 
uh, leader wife who, you know, who makes all the decisions, who um, is the, the one who's more responsible, who leads the family, typically married to some deadbeat dad who just sits on the couch, who's aloof, you know, kind of Homer Simpson, you know, can't make a decision, an idiot. And, and I go, it's just not intended to be that way. That's not the way that God designed the role of the husband or the role of the wife. And so you've got to be aligned going into marriage and then even as married couples on how we view the way that God designed men and women. And so it doesn't mean that men are greater than women or that women are greater than men. They're equal in God's eyes, but he's given each of us, I believe, and I think God's word communicates a different role that the husband is to love like Christ and to lead like a servant. And then the wife's, you know, job, the role that, that God created her for. And you look at in the beginning, it's not good for the man to be alone. And so God creates a, a helper, a companion, a, somebody who helps and encourages and uh, even a dirty word that we think is submit, but submit is a really beautiful role where uh, we see Jesus submit to the Father. We see the Son submit to the Father and to the Son. And it's this incredible role that God has designed for both the husband and the wife. And so going into marriage and then as married couples, we've got to be aligned in the way that we view roles because it helps us make decisions about how we operate day in and day out. Now, Scott, let's get to this topic. How can we pursue emotional intimacy? How to be completely naked while fully clothed? Yeah, this is enough. This is my favorite one to write. Uh, so every, in every chapter, I, I interview a couple and tell their story and teach through their story. And so, you know, chapter one on what's the point of marriage, I interview some friends who walk through infidelity and tell their story. I talk about a couple who came out of, a, you know, $125,000 in debt for the money chapter. But for this one, I, I, the interview is with me and my wife. And so I tell our story. Uh, Kristen was my uh, one of my teachers when I was in graduate school, and uh, and, and we had a really, uh, really unhealthy relationship when we first met. We dated. It was not a good dating relationship, and we had everything messed up. We just did things in completely the wrong way, and there were so many things that I was ashamed of in my past, things that she was not proud of in her past. And we just dated each other without any view of, of a right view of relationships. And so we ended up breaking up, both got really healthy, both really changed in our relationship with the Lord, got back together, and it was a radically different relationship where we actually now started to see each other in the right way. And so in this chapter, I talk about what do you do with your past hurts, the things that you're not proud of, you might be ashamed of? What do you do with your present struggles? How do you share those with one another, and then how do you deal with any kind of future hope and dream you have? Instead of hiding those, you want to be able to share those with your spouse. And so the definition I use for intimacy is to know and be fully known without fear of rejection. And so what would it look like for, you know, for two people to date one another, to not fear being rejected, to be able to share who they are and not have to hide things and not be ashamed of it, but be really open and that's what God designs for us. That's what he, when he says that they are naked without shame, it means that we're fully transparent with our spouse and we're not running away from them or not hiding. We're okay with who we are with our spouse, knowing that they're a gift to us and that we play that same role to them. Scott, how do you handle in your pre-marital counseling the, the physical side of marriage? What's that like? 
Yeah, so obviously that is that's something that's such a big challenge for couples. It, it was for me and my wife uh, before getting married, and, and it's a very real and present danger and challenge. And uh, you know, things like pornography, the way that culture has diminished sex, has I, I think we've taken a cheapened view of it in relationships and in marriage. And so, what I want couples going into marriage, I want them almost to wipe the slate clean. And to have a right view of it, of seeing sex as an incredible gift from a from a God who loves us, that He made it fun and pleasurable, and something that celebrates the union of a husband and wife. It, it brings forth life often, and so it's this incredible gift that God has given us. And, and we've just uh, we've cheapened the view of it, or we become scared of it. Uh, there's so much hurt in the, in the area of abuse and pornography and. And so what would it look like for us to actually have a right view of intimacy? And so we tell couples that, you know, God loves them and he's got something great for them. He's not holding back from them in any way. He, he's got an incredible gift. He wants to set us free. He wants us to experience joy in marriage and joy in relationship with him. Our guest, and we'll be right back with him, Scott Kadersha, talking about Ready or Not. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 530 Sunday on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. This is the Entertainment Answer. Which animated film won all of its categories last year? That would be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And it is now finally on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. This PG-rated animated action-adventure from Sony Pictures Home Entertainment won over fans and critics alike with its humor, message, and heart. It's a must-see and definitely a must-own for all Marvel collectors and anyone who loves a fantastic feel-good story. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, and even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. Well, how's the school year been for the kids? How's that latest progress report? Maybe not as good as you'd hoped. Well, you know, a lot of people are talking about school choice these days. So maybe it's time for you to make the choice to private Christian education. And we've got a great way for you to get started with half-price tuition. Just go to AmazingRadioDeals.com. It's a website that we've created just for half-price tuitions. So you can easily look at the schools that we offer and get all the information you need to make the right choice. We've even got some great new schools in DeLand, Apopka, Sanford, and the east side of Orlando. From elementary to middle school to high school, even college level. Just go now to AmazingRadioDeals.com. AmazingRadioDeals.com. Half-price tuition. The tuition solution you've been looking for. 
You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Scott Kadersh is our guest. He's in Dallas. We're talking about his new book, Ready or Not. Do I have to visit your parents? How to thrive in your your relationships with family and in-laws. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, those those poor in-laws get such a poor reputation, right? I mean, they're 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 never thought of in a positive light, and you know we joke they're called the outlaws. And in this chapter, I just you can't when you marry someone, you're not just marrying the individual; you get everything that comes with them. And so you get their past, you get their personality, you get their story, and you get their family. And so you can't just ignore them or pretend that they're not there. The bottom line here is that, you know, our our in-laws and our parents, they're human beings. They want to be treated in the same way that you or I want to be treated. And so just giving some really helpful, practical suggestions on how to build your relationship with your family and with your in-laws so that you can thrive, not just tolerate each other. Well, let's go to the next topic. Are we roomies for life or best friends doing life with your constant companion? Yeah, so actually, this is something I think we uh, we neglect to talk about in marriage. Part of the reason why so many young couples end up moving in together, not getting married, choosing to put off marriage as long as they possibly can is because they never hear about how much fun it is. And so in this chapter, I talk about the importance of the friendship in marriage, the importance of sharing activities and hobbies together. I actually asked a, a few hundred married leaders in our church their favorite part of marriage, and by far the, the number one answer on the board was friendship and companionship. And so I want couples to, to have the right view of that from the beginning of how to maintain that relationship. It's easy when we're dating. It gets a lot harder when we've got kids and life piles up and bills and all that. And so just giving couples the right tracks to run on to continue to build their friendship much, uh, you know, long past the saying I do to one another. All right, let's get to the next topic. And that is none of their business or better together pursuing community as a couple. So, uh, so I love what the Proverbs says, Proverbs thirteen twenty. Whoever walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And so, as couples, as individuals and couples, we need to make decisions. We need people to help sharpen us, who hold us accountable, who. Uh, challenge us, who encourage us, who play an important role in our life. And what does it look like for you as a, as a couple, either pursuing marriage or as a married couple? How do you pursue friendships and relationships with other couples? And so I'm super thankful. You know, my, my wife and I have a group of four other couples that we spend a lot of time with. They help us uh, grow in our marriage. They help us make decisions about money and about kids and jobs. And if you don't have that or want that moving forward, I tell couples, you shouldn't marry somebody who doesn't welcome the input of others into their lives. And so just talking about what does it look like for you as a married couple to make great friendships with other couples. Now, I want you to tell us about, what about the kids? Figuring out the future of your family. So often, couples on that pre-made side just don't think about kids. It feels like it's so far away for for them. And so this is uh, largely based on wanting them to be aligned in their view on kids. Are, are kids a, a gift or a, a curse? Are they 
something that we want to pursue together as a couple. I, re- I remember meeting with a couple years ago who never talked about this before marriage. And uh, she wanted kids. He didn't, but they never discussed it. And they got married. And a few months into marriage, realized they weren't aligned and ended up getting divorced from one another because they were not aligned on their view of kids. And so this is so important. You know, when do we want to have them? How many? What if we can't? What's our view of them? our view of school and discipline and how, what are we going to reward? And so you won't be able to figure all these out before getting married, but you at least need to be in the same, uh, moving in the same direction or having some very similar views because of the importance of kids and how central they are to our lives and our family. Scott Kadersha, our guest, the book Ready or Not, uh, a book about uh, pre-marriage marriage counseling, I really believe. Um, <clears throat> tell me this, Scott. <clears throat> What are the most frequently asked questions that come up in your counseling before marriage? Are there are there a few? Yeah, so I took on what I did in this last, it's almost like an appendix. I took 10 of the most frequently asked questions we get in our pre-married ministry. And so we've been doing this for a long time. And so a lot of the same questions come up over and over and over again. And so things like, you know, what do you do if your parents don't approve of your relationship? How do you handle that? Uh, what do you do if you, if you think you need to break up? How can you break up in a good and healthy way? Uh, bank accounts, should we keep them together or separate, separate bank accounts? And then I tell you to keep them together. What if one of you wants to sign a prenup agreement? What is a prenup and how do you handle that? I talk about pornography and a few others that are uh, – you know, should you go to the same church moving forward? So just some of the most frequently asked questions we get in our ministry. Now, <clears throat> the final word of your book, till death do us part. Uh, what do you write there? Yeah, so this is a very short, just few pages where I tell the story of my mom and my stepdad. So my uh, my mom and stepdad were married for 32 years. My stepdad passed away. Uh, just over two years ago, but the last five to seven years of, of his life, he had Alzheimer's, and the last few years were really, really tough for uh, for my family. So, Dad lost complete memory; couldn't do anything on his own; couldn't go to the bathroom on his own. Uh, really, really hard for my mom, and I just watched the way that she loved him so selflessly and sacrificially. And it's, you know, I love to read about marriage, learn about marriage. I learned more about marriage from watching the way that my mom loved my dad than any other book or any other couple. And so it's a, it's a, a great final challenge. Just You don't know what you're signing up for, but I want to be like my mom in the way that she loved my dad so incredibly well. What is it like, Scott, uh, after your counseling to see married couples later on doing well? How does that make you feel? Oh, the best. It is a bit, you know, and I, I said this is my, the stories that I love to celebrate are, are not necessarily the dramatic ones where they walk through trouble and then come out on the other side. I love a good, boring marriage story uh-huh. where a couple faithfully pursues the Lord, they pursue each other, and, and they, they just love being married. Those are the best. We don't celebrate or tell those stories, but I get to see those all the time for couples who have just done this really well. I'm proud of them. I'm encouraged by them. It spurs me on to keep doing what I'm doing. I um, heard a quote the other day from Mitzi Gaynor, the famous movie actor from years, actress from years ago. <clears throat> she simply said, now her, her husband is dead, but she said, we love being married. 
That's a great quote, isn't it? It is a great quote, and not enough people say it. Yeah. Well, that's tremendous. Tremendous. What's next yeah. for you? Is there a follow-up to this book? I don't know. I've got a couple ideas. We'll see. I'm going to get my life back under control and you know, focus more on my job and my family and uh, but I hope so. I had I loved writing. I mean, I want you know, you've written how many books have you read? You're over 20 now, aren't you? 110. Oh, that's what I meant. Uh, yeah. I meant that's, that's over 20. Five. That's over yeah. 20. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'd love to do it again. It was a great experience. Loved working with my publisher and uh, and I've, I think I've got more to say. We'll see. Uh, but it was a really positive experience. What is a typical workday for you like, Scott? Yeah, so a fair amount of working with uh, couples who are struggling. And so helping leaders counsel and equip other couples. I work with a great staff team. And so encouraging them to do the same. Uh, writing curriculum, uh, praying with and for couples who are struggling. Uh, every day is different. So I've been doing this for 13 years now, and, and part of the reason why I love what I do is there's there's rarely a day that I just go through the motions. There's new challenges every day. It keeps me fresh and on my toes. And, and then a big part of what I do is, I, you know, it's not just working with uh, with my staff, staff team and leaders, but really helping challenge uh, our whole church body to grow in their marriage and to pursue marriage in the way that God designed it. It's, it's a kind of an endless job. There's always more work to be done. And, and I love it. I hit the ground, you know, my feet hit the ground every day, just grateful for what I get to be a part of. Scott Kadersha has been our guest. We're talking, we've been talking about his book, Ready or Not. We've got a wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. <clears throat> You're listening to 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your social security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. John Barry, our guest in the first segment. Good to have John Barry with us. And then uh, Scott Kadersha was with us from Dallas, talking about his book on pre-marriage marriage counseling, Ready or Not. Please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And please check out my most recent book. It's just out. It's called Character Carved in Stone. We take a look at the 12 benches at Trophy Point on the campus at West Point and 
those 12 different words uh, that are designed to fulfill and challenge and help the young cadets and help all of us. You'll enjoy that book. Mike Krzyzewski, the coach at Duke, wrote the foreword for us. Uh, We'll uh, be back next weekend for more. In the meantime, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.